The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, alongside Kyle Posey from Niners Nation and Justice Mosqueda from Acne Packing Company. And guys, I can't figure out who among us is the most miserable going into week eight. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, Kyle's got his nose shirt on. At least my ducks are doing well. So I have that going for me. Bo Nix for Heisman. Heisman Dark Horse Bo Nix. I can't believe it. Got the yellow jackets on deck, man. We're going to be fine. However, I don't think we can say the same thing for our beloved NFC teams. No, uh, I. the Packers are playing on Sunday night football. If you want to go ahead and skip that game, I don't blame you. <laughs> the Bills are going to win. The Packers, I, I told you guys coming into this, um, the Packers somehow have never won a game in Buffalo, which is like a weird narrative that's out there. I don't think it's going to really impact this game. The Buffalo Bills are just a better football team. It's just weird to me that a team like the Packers have never won, you know, at, at one of these locations that have been in the league since, what, they joined in the merger like the 1970s? That's kind of crazy. Should that game have gotten flexed? And if you watch <laughs> both teams, how they've played over the past couple of weeks – so the Bills coming off a of bye too, they have the highest DVOA in the NFL. They are 44.5%. Second place are the Eagles at 29%. If you keep going and going and going, you'll find the Packers <laughs> at 20th in the negatives, negative two and a half, or sorry, negative 2.8%. This game should have gotten flexed. This is not going to be pretty. And That's not- Go ahead. Oh, that's not how the networks think, though. They see Josh Allen. They see Aaron Rodgers. They're like, that's enough to get the casuals to tune in, and that's what makes for a good rating. I I wouldn't have minded getting flexed, but I'm also tired of these morning games. How how much do you guys hate these morning games? The Packers have played two morning games and a London game the last three weeks, and I'm over it. I I don't like this sucking Packers team losing an early game. Why do you guys do this? Why do you guys support bad teams that kick off this early? I don't get it. <laughs> I'm Roger Goodell. Don't we all? Football uh, should be played at night. 
We have a big show today. Mark Schofield's going to stop by to help us break down some quarterback performances. Plus, we've got our gauntlet that we're going to talk about some head coaching hot seats. Before we do all that, though, I want to remind you that we're brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, let's get right to it. Our interview with Mark Schofield. This is the SB Nation NFL show. Going to talk a little quarterbacks here. No better person to do that with than Mark Schofield, officially of SB Nation now. Mark, thank you. Congratulations. And uh, let's get into some QBs here. Yeah, excited to do it, Stats. It's great to be with you. Excited to be a co-worker now. It's, it's, it's great to be part of the team. Excited to be here and excited to be here with you today. Are you willing to say you have the best mustache at SB Nation? Absolutely not. And for those of you that are watching this, um, this will be gone in a week. This is part of my Halloween costume. I am going as Viper from the first Top Gun. And and since I have the props, I mean, there you go. Oh, there you go, the hat. There you go. (laughs) Got the aviators. I mean, this is Tom Skerritt right here, Fred. Yes, you you now have to do the rest of the interview with that on. You can't take it off. No, 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 no. I can't can't give it all away for free. (laughs) All right. Hold on. Before we get started, very important question. If you come yeah. to the Schofield house on Halloween, what am I expecting? You are expected a lot of Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, okay. you are expected. I mean, we do the big ones. I'm a huge fan of the mini ones. I'm a huge fan of those. Uh, but interestingly enough, our daughter, Simone, does not like the peanut butter cups. So then you also get a lot of Skittles. Um, so we're a big uh, Reese's and Skittles house. And, All right. and what's really cool is... Our neighborhood, it's huge for Halloween. Everybody decorates. Everybody puts like little fire rings at the end of their driveway and like hangs out. It, it, it's a fun time. So Halloween's a pretty big deal around this neighborhood. Hell yeah. Halloween is my favorite holiday. You come to the Guerrera household. We do no fun size. It is all full size candy bars at my house. Go. And word is starting to spread because we get more and more kids every year. And I think like they, they text each other and they talk like, hey, they got the full size. What do you guys give? What do you guys give out, though? I like to, you know what's ridiculously popular? Just plain old Hershey bars seem to do pretty well. I do Hershey's, I do Snickers, and then I have a separate tray for people with peanut allergies. I do Starburst and Skittles. Oh, there you go. See, that's quality Halloween right there. I mean, yes. you're, you're thinking ahead. You're worried about the people with the peanut allergies, which is a very fair consideration. Love to see you do it. And then the Starburst and the Skittles, I'm huge. What's your favorite? This is a debate I love having. Your favorite Starburst flavor? Uh, I'll go with the red, solid, okay. red or pink. Fair. I know it's kind of yeah. cliche, but. I see. I'm a yellow guy. I'm a lemon guy. What? I'm like one of the like 5% of people on the planet that prefers lemon, which is great because if you get the variety bag, everybody leaves the lemon behind. More for daddy. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Would not have picked lemon, but hey, everybody likes what they like. There you go. Let's get into some quarterbacks now. And I want to start with what we saw in Chicago and New England because two very, very different things. First, we'll start with the Bears since they won. Um Justin Fields, is it just finally at a point where coaches are doing the things that he is good at? I think so. I mean, they even said it. They said, look, you know, they had the mini because They played the prior Thursday night. They took the time to sort of look at what Baltimore does with Lamar Jackson. You had more designed runs for Fields in that game than I think all the games prior 
to this point of the season. So they've leaned into that to use this athletic because he's a freak athlete for a person of his size. I mean, he's like 6'3", 230 or something like that, but he can run probably 4'4", four, 4'5", four, or 4'5", or something like that. And you saw that athleticism both at Ohio State and Monday night against the New England Patriots. There were times when the Patriots, they would get them into third and lawn, but he would get them out of it with a scramble, with a run, with a designed run at times. And so that was good. They leaned into some quick game stuff. Obviously, the touchdown before halftime was huge in that game because for those people like me that believe in momentum, it looked like New England had all of the momentum going their way. They catch him in that zero blitz. Fields does a great job of dropping the arm angle to fit that throw around to the back who scores a touchdown. So it feels like they finally figured out in Chicago, okay, this is what he does well. Let's lead into this now. And maybe it will be enough to sort of turn the field's narrative around. Because let's be honest, I love Justin Fields coming out. You and I talked about him that night of the draft. We talked about Justin Fields. I loved him coming out. It didn't seem like it was going well. There were things that he was not trusted around him, whether the offensive line, whether it was the receivers, whether it was himself. This might have been the sort of changing of that narrative. We'll see if it sticks. But it was good to see from Fields on Monday night. But why did it take until now? Why did they need this mini buy to look at what the Ravens do with their quarterback and think, hey, maybe we should do some of those things too? They had all offseason to study this. They couldn't figure that out until now? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's always the frustrating thing watching quarterbacks and particularly young quarterbacks and how their coaching staffs utilize them and structure offenses for them because those of us on the outside can see what Justin Fields does well and struggles with right now. Why don't the people in the building see that same stuff? Why don't the people that get to coach him every day see that? Why wasn't this part of what they were doing? Like you said, you had all offseason and training camp and preseason to implement this kind of offense. Why did it take so long? You know, when we're outside of the media sort of clamoring for, hey, move him around a little bit more, use his legs a little bit more, use him as an offensive weapon a little bit more back in weeks two, three, four, and it takes till week seven to do it. That's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, it didn't make sense to me. Imagine doing things that a right. quarterback does well. Like, who, how could you ever have come up with this scheme? Um, on the other side, for New England, like, what is going on with their quarterback situation? Number one, like, what did Mac Jones do that was so terrible that fans are, like, booing him? I mean, they got to the playoffs with him last year. What's going on with their quarterback situation? I wish I knew. I honestly wish I knew. That's sort of the million-dollar question right now. I think what happened with Zappi was that team was sort of struggling, and he comes in and he wins two games, and he plays well in the game which he gets sort of thrust into the moment um, at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers. They get that game to overtime. And so I think the sort of Zappi fever was just a product of they won two games with him as a starter, and New England was sort of struggling at that point. And you get back to 3-3, three and three and you're like, hey, this kid's playing well. But it was also against the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. I mean, it does sort of deserve that kind of context. And, you know, for whatever reason, it seems like Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, the offensive staff sort of simplified and constricted the playbook a little bit. There was a lot of play action stuff for Bailey Zappi. They put him in a position to be successful, which is, again, what you should do as a coach to the prior point for Justin Fields. But I think that was part of the sort of Zappi fever and then when Jones comes back on Monday night and struggles a little bit early and then he has the interception, and you can see that crowd sort of turn almost instantly on Max Jones. <laughs> it was a strange situation to see. Um, and I, I know some Patriots fans are sort of upset by it, by like, how can we turn on this kid? Some Patriots fans are like, look, we just want to see wins. And Zappi came in, hit on the touchdown right away. 
They have another touchdown drive right after that. You're thinking, like I just talked about, hey, they've got momentum. Maybe this is going to stick. You have people on social media saying, here it is again. It's Bledsoe and Brady all over again. They're going to go for the younger kid, the the later round pick. And you see how that game ends up. And so as to what they're going to do going forward, I don't know. And Belichick hasn't exactly been forthright with how they're going to handle the quarterback position. No, really? In, in typical stats, Belichick fashion, right? <laughs> These are all hypotheticals that you take it day by day and, you know, all the stuff that Belichick likes to say. I thought it was interesting when it came out from Schefter right before kickoff that the plan was to play both, that they were going to do that going in. And you wonder if they were just going to play Mac for a couple of drives at the start, sort of let him test that ankle and go to Zappy after the third drive anyway. Belichick seemed to say that, you know, that wasn't exactly the plan, but then you had the turnover and he said that the game was kind of getting away from him. So they felt they needed to make the change. I don't know what they're going to do going forward. I still think that Mac Jones is the better quarterback, but ultimately we know that Belichick wants to take care of the football, wants good decision-making and he wants accuracy. And to this point of the season, Zappi has been better in that department than Jones. Speaking of good decision-making and accuracy, let's go to Seattle now. Geno Smith leading the league in completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, just three picks, averaging almost 11 yards per completion. We have, have we ever seen a story like this before? Like, how is he doing this? He's playing at an extremely high level. And it, what's interesting is he's got them ahead of schedule. You know, when you looked at the Seahawks this past offseason, right, we all thought, oh, this is the part, the start of the rebuild. They're going to sort of scuffle through this season with Geno, with Drew Locke. It doesn't really, really matter. They'll be drafted somebody at the top of the next draft. You've got a great, great draft class coming out. And everybody in Seattle will say, no, 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 Quandre Diggs, no, 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 Tyler Lockett, no, 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 this isn't a rebuild. We, we like what we have in the locker room. And they've been proven right. And what's been interesting about Smith is in the three games he started last year when Wilson was down, yeah, they went one and two. But you saw him poised in the pocket. You saw him fighting in the pocket in the face of pressure, making some at times absurd-looking throws in the face of pressure. Now, they lost the two games, which led us to also to believe that this was start of a rebuild or a retool. But you're seeing that now in a team that's winning games. You're seeing some of the throws. Like he had a throw against the Chargers stats on a double move kind of thing where it's really just a comeback route, but Tyler Lockett goes an out and up and then breaks it back at the last second along the right sideline. And he's got a defender in his face, Smith does. So he lets it go before even the out route part of the route. It's an incredible throw under pressure, but these are the kinds of absurd throws that he's making week in and week out. Some of the throws against New Orleans, for example, where, you know, he hit for a vertical route touchdown to Lockett when they've got two receivers and four defenders in a quarters for deep coverage. And he puts it in an absolutely perfect spot, 50 yards downfield. These are the types of throws he's making right now. Completion percentage over expected, you know, EPA per snap. You know, he's number one in the league right now in completion percentage over expected. He's number three in EPA per snap behind Allen and Mahomes. That's a lead company. He's playing at such a high level. I don't see signs of it slowing down because he's doing it week in and week out. And he's got them ahead of schedule because – Right now, they'd have, I think, the fourth pick in the draft, thanks to the Wilson trade, as well as their own first rounder. They'd have a pick at the stop of the second round, as well as their own second rounder. I think they're sixth in available cap space for next year. If they don't feel the need to draft a quarterback early, could you imagine Seattle adding, say, Will Anderson at the top of the first round to this team right now? But my question is, 
How is he doing? How did he get so much better from the last time we saw him with the Jets? Because he clearly never showed this kind of ability with the Jets. I, I think in a way it's confidence from those around him in him. You know, that's a huge thing for a quarterback. When you feel like if you throw an interception, you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder for the backup to start warming up. If you feel like if you make a mistake, you're going to be able to come off the field and your offensive coordinator is going to go, hey, here's what we did wrong. We're going to fix it next drive. And you're going to, you're afraid you're going to hear, oh my God, well, I'm sorry, but we're sitting you down. The backup's coming in. When you have that organizational confidence in you, it's a huge thing for a quarterback because it lets you play with confidence. When you're afraid to make the kind of throws or attempt the kind of throws that Smith is attempting right now because you're afraid you're going to lose your job, you're not going to keep your job. Smith is confident that he can let it rip. He can attack these throwing lanes. He can make these kinds of anticipation throws or throws into tighter coverage because if it goes wrong, Carroll's not going to sit him down. They're not going to sit him down. Walter's not going to sit him down. They're going to keep him in the line because they believe in him and trust him. And this is what we heard out of Seattle when we were all saying, when I was right at all, this is the start of the rebuild. This is the start of the retool. And they're telling us, no, 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 no. We trust in what's here. It started there. I think that's the huge difference right now. He has the back end of his coaching staff 100%, and it's allowing him to play free and loose and confident. And he's not getting punched in the face by teammates. Also helps. Also helps. <laughs> Let's go to Tampa Bay and Green Bay. And I'm going to kind of lump these guys together because we're talking about two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. And Rodgers, the back-to-back MVP. What is going on with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? They look like completely different quarterbacks this year in the opposite direction from Geno Smith. They do. And, you know, I, I think there are two different stories here, but they're kind of on similar tracks. You know, when you look at Tampa Bay, a, a lot of people have said, well, it's the interior offensive line injuries. You know, you lose your center. We know Tom Brady is kryptonite, as it is for many quarterbacks, quick interior pressure. But, you know, you look at his pressure numbers the entire time he's been in Tampa. He hasn't been great under pressure. I mean, he's been bottom of the league in adjusted completion percentage when pressured over pro football focus in 2020, 2021, and to this point this year. And his pressure percentage isn't dramatically more this year than it was last year. And so while there are moments where interior pressure is causing a problem, it's not this drastic increase over, say, last year. When you watch Brady play, there are still moments when he can rip some throws into his tight windows. And, you know, he had a seam route to Mike Evans against Carolina oh. that – just, you know, that's vintage Brady. You know, it's like this is the guy we saw 10 years ago, let alone a guy at 45 doing it. And so the moments are still there. I think with Tampa Bay, there's two things. There's a struggle to run the football, which impacts their play action usage. They're not using it as much. Steven Ruiz at the Rainer had a great point about that earlier this week where, you know, they don't trust the run game, so they don't trust their play action passing game. But we know that's where Brady's often most effective. And then just a lack of consistency. You know, that's that seam route throw to Evans – they finished that drive with no points. He had another great throw to Kate Auten, split of the safeties against cover two. They finished that drive with a field goal instead of a touchdown. They're not finishing drives. And that's the huge problem right now, a lack of consistency and execution, extending and finishing drives with points. That's what they're not doing right now. In Green Bay, it's there's a lot going on in Green Bay. He's struggling, Rodgers is, to get on the same page with the young receivers, which we knew was going to be an issue because Rodgers tends to – be a little bit slower to get that chemistry like we saw with him and Devontae Adams. So that's one issue. There's also sort of some struggles in, you know, aggression. There are moments when, and Justice Mosqueda had a couple of great clips on Twitter this week of he's got shot plays available to him downfield that he's not letting it go. 
He's taking checkdowns. He's taking underneath throws, which when you're winning games, you'll live with. But when you're losing games and you're missing opportunities to create explosive plays for an offense that desperately needs them, you'd like to see him make some of those shots. Now, he attempted a couple. He had walk-ins on one, and they didn't connect. I mean, so there's that as well. And I think the other thing is the defense has been underwhelming. And for those of us that over the summer and in the spring thought, you know, it might take Rodgers and this offense some time to gel, but the defense is going to give them some short fields and some turnovers. That hasn't happened too. Now, against Washington, they had a strip six, which, you know, a strip sack for a fumble that got called back. They had some other plays that got called back. So maybe the defense is starting to figure it out. But you add these together, and that's the core of the problem in Green Bay right now. I feel like part of it too, though, is Rodgers. Like, I feel yeah. like he's – blaming the receivers and everybody else for everything. On the Pat McAfee show, he said, well, I got the highest grade for my quarterback coach that I've gotten all season last week. Like, there was a play, I can't remember when it was, but he has a a deep shot last week that he doesn't take, and he tries to throw the check down, and he throws a crappy check down pass, which is not caught, and he's screaming at the sideline, like, what are we doing? It's like, no, wait a minute, dude. Like, part of this is on you, and I don't know that he is willing to be open and honest about his personal evaluation. Yeah, and it made me wonder what his grades were in some of the other games. Like, he could be <laughs> correctly right, right? Like, he got, he got his best grade of the season in that game. Just the other ones were just that much worse. I mean, who knows? But I, I think you're right in the sense that – and we've kind of seen this even through the MVP years, but there are moments where he's got some opportunities downfield, but he'll take a check down. He'll take a, a shorter throw. And, you know, maybe that's something that LaFleur is kind of coaching me say, look, you know, unless you really think you've got it, like, you know, take something underneath, take a check down. Maybe that's the way that they're coaching him, in which case, okay, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. But when you're an offense right now, that's struggling to create explosive plays. And there are a lot of people that believe that that's the name of the game in the NFL on offense, create them on defense, prevent them. If you're an offense that's struggling to create explosive plays, you've got to take some shots. You've got to trust your arm. I mean, he still has the ability to simply flick his wrist and put the football wherever he wants to on the field, 60 yards and in. It might be time to take some of those shot plays. Forget the checkdowns. Forget the safer throws. Forget moving the chains and extending drives and staying on schedule. Let it rip sometimes. You might need to manufacture some explosive plays in this offense. It's weird. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to throw it deep, but okay. Yeah. It's weird, but that's one of the best on film right now. One of the best throwers of the football I've ever seen doesn't want to throw the ball yeah. deep. All right, hey, I, I it's covered a strange the, season stats. It's a strange season. Look, I root for and cover the Niners, so keep it up, Aaron. I'm all for that. Uh, last guy I want to get to is Justin Herbert. I don't know what to to make about him. Is it time to adjust my thinking and maybe assume he's not, you know, as good a quarterback as I thought, or is it just? Hey, he's ribs. He's got fractured rib cartilage, and that's why he hasn't looked, or that team hasn't looked as good as we thought. Yeah, I mean the Chargers are Charger, and we did it again every <laughs> summer. It's like, hey, the Chargers. This is the year. I mean, we were doing this back in like you know, 11, 12, 13. I mean, we've been doing it for a long time now. I think the ribs are certainly a part of it. You know, it, it's it's hard, and he's somebody that has a very torquish throwing motion. It's how he generates the velocity that he does. When you've got a rib injury fractured rib cartilage, like that's going to be painful. So I think that's part of it. And it's also, look, people have been writing about and analyzing the, the Chargers for a couple of seasons now. And, you know, they rely on a sort of horizontal based passing game. They run a lot of stick, a lot of, you know, curl flat mirrored concepts where you're attacking horizontally and spreading the defense sideline to sideline. 
but you've got Justin Herbert who can let it rip deep. And people might say, well, maybe they're just doing that because of the injury. No, we've been having this conversation when he was healthy. We were having, I mean, I think a year ago to the day, I remember having a conversation with Nate Tice, who does great work covering offenses for the athletic about, man, they're just running stick. That's their answer for everything. It's stick. They've got to really let them, you know, attack downfield. Then in the second half of the season, they did more of that. So that's not a, a function of the injury in the ribs. That's a function of this is what their offensive coordinator, Lombardi, and conceptually the, where they want to be. But you have to, again, similar to the Justin Fields conversation from earlier, if you've got a quarterback that does things one, two, and three at a high level, you better have things one, two, and three as a core part of your offensive system and game plan and what you want to do philosophically. But if he doesn't, if you know, do, force him to do things that, you know, he does, but not at a high level or, yeah, he can do them, but he does other things better. You're not doing your job as a coach. And so I think, again, we've had this conversation with Herbert for a while now. He's a great talent. He can throw the ball. He can push it to all levels, lead into the more vertical parts of the playbook. Now, maybe it's his injury. Maybe it's injuries to receivers that have them sort of dial it back. But again, we've been having this conversation for a while. We're having it again this season. And it's sometimes frustrating to watch. Unbelievable that they have a quarterback that talented, yet they still cannot seem to get out of their own way. Yeah, I mean, his heat map was floated around Twitter earlier this week. You can find it. I I, I, I think it was um, Austin Gale, who's now at the Raider, that put it out there. It's like everything's at the line of scrimmage. Like most of his throws are right at the line of scrimmage. And this is Justin Herbert we're talking Imagine about. having Justin Herbert and coaching him to play like Jimmy Garoppolo. I was going to say coaching him to play like Mark Schofield, but Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I, look, I can't, I can't do a quarterback interview and not get a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo in there. I mean, come on. Have you met me? Oh, absolutely. I know where you're going with it. Well, thank you very much, Mark. You made me smarter. You made all of us smarter. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Anytime I have a quarterback question, you are the man I want to talk to. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a fantastic day. Thanks to Mark once again. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our week eight gauntlet and find out which head coach's seat is the hottest. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. As they win the Gridiron Gauntlet. Okay, Smarty, what's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, gentlemen, gauntlet time. We are looking at head coaches 
whose seat is the hottest KP? I'll start with you, Ron Rivera or Dan Campbell. Yeah, I feel like the honeymoon is over for Dan Campbell, right? To start the season, everybody had these high expectations. When I say everybody, I'm talking about um, our fellow co-hosts here. But they thought because of hard knocks. (laughs) See, still, no matter, they could lose 30 to 3 and people will be like, yeah, the Lions, they're fine. They're better than their record. The Lions are beating the Packers next week. That doesn't say anything. That doesn't mean (laughs) that they're a good team. It's, they had plenty of chances to win last week, and they they make the same mistakes, it seems like, over and over. But it is still early in the regime. The Lions still don't have a lot of good players. You know, they, they still have – they need to go through the roster turnover. He talked about Jameson Williams possibly coming back. Like, he's going to be a potential game changer. So the players that they're investing in aren't on the field right now. Like, DeAndre Swift is still banged up. They continue to rely on him. Whereas Washington, they laid their bed. They went out and chose the quarterback that they chose. And sure, he got hurt, but you can't be surprised when Carson Wentz gets hurt, right? That's That's been the theme of his career. Sure enough, they were able to beat a specific NFC team when they made a quarterback change. But what does that say really about Wentz? I, I would say Ron Rivera just because I don't know that Washington has a direction. They are there. When you're looking at, you know, potential trade candidates, as we have the trade deadline coming up in a week, you're seeing like Deron Payne um, and a couple other players like William Jackson potentially being moved. So like, what what are you doing? You're going to offload some of your key depth pieces for what? I I'm going to go Ron Rivera. I don't know if they have any sort of direction or what. Like, what is that roster going to look like a year from now? I mean, it felt like Ron Rivera probably should have been moved on from last season, yes. right? Like, if it wasn't for Matt Rule, we'd probably be talking about Rivera kind of in that light. Um, don't have a quarterback. We had the blow up from Rivera in the post game press conference already, right? Where he's like, <laughs> I looked at the analytics, I, I grabbed the piece of paper. I'm like, I don't, that's not really how that works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> said it with so much confidence, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are coming off of a win. If they, hey, if they're trading Deron Payne, there should be 31 teams calling about Deron Payne and being like, hey, <laughs> what's that what's the price at the very least for this guy um with all the i i wonder if the ownership situation is really why rivera was able to kind of keep his job right like we already had this whole situation where snyder was legitimately like suspended from operations and his wife had to kind of like run the team for a while um it's always kind of like a unique thing to when, when teams are in a position where you remember like, Oh, these are like to a certain extent, family businesses. Right. And, and it's not just a, a football franchise that is just making football level decisions. Like there's a lot of politics and stuff involved with that. So I I'm going with, um, I, I think Rivera's hot seat is a lot hotter than Campbell's. I still don't think you can blame Campbell too much. I, I'm going to sound like the Lions apologist guy, but you can't play that much man coverage and be that bad at corner, right? Like, that's – that's look at look at teams that have played that much man coverage in the past, right? Like, you can look at some of uh, those Raven teams when they're at their peak, right? You can look at those Jets teams when they had Revis. Like, who's that guy in Detroit right now? I know Okuda is coming off of injury, but he's not – you know, he's not Patrick Sertan. 
Yeah, but whose like fault that. is it that they're playing that much man coverage? That's what they want to do, though. And the, but that's their fault. <laughs> I guess, but their I guess their whole mentality is like, we're not pressured to win right now, yeah. so we might as well build up the system and have the system there so that when we do have the pieces, we can compete. Because I mean, you look at that defense. I don't know if there's a scheme you could run that is going to make <laughs> those guys look great. You know, I mean, Hutchinson just went first. Went went that high in the draft, right? He's not looking that great. He's not looking that great right now. He's not, you know, we're not on bust alert, but he's not looking like rookie Vaughn Miller or anything like that. Well, when you take a player that high, he has to be an impact player. If you're if that specific type of roster is going to have a chance, and he just hasn't. I mean, it's pretty telling when they're talking about him playing stand-up linebacker uh, less than halfway through the season. That's probably not a good sign. Um for Hutchinson but no I agree that they have so many problems and when you just go up and down the roster you're wondering like where is the talent and it's this is what year two for Campbell so he should probably have a little more leeway whereas like Ron Rivera's been through it yeah that's fair Campbell so far 418 and one in Detroit all right congratulations Ron Rivera you move on so Justice whose seat is hotter Ron Rivera or Frank Reich Oh, man. Colts fans want Reich out, right? Do, do we? Okay. Let's have some Colts discourse. I'm ready for Colts discourse. Everyone is like, Reich is the problem. Ballard needs to get another guy in. Why are we letting Ballard off the leash? I understand, like, Ballard has made some pretty good draft picks on, on day two and day three of the draft. There's no denying that. But the fact that the team has never, like, exhausted all of its resources and really try to, like, push the chips in ever since, since, you know, luck has retired and has never really gone after a big time court. Like the biggest name quarterback that they brought in is Matt Ryan, who they just benched, you know, it's October 26th and they're like Sam Ellinger and, and, and uh, Nick Foles are going to be our QB one and QB two. Why isn't Ballard getting more heat? I understand being mad at Reich. His hot seat is there. I think I'd still go Rivera, all things considered just because of, the stretch of of uh, Washington Commanders football that's been played under Rivera compared to Reich, like Reich, some of Reich's teams have been decent, but I don't get why Ballard isn't getting any heat. This guy is Teflon. So when you look at some of the the deals that they made, like he's he's acquiring players, but it was like Stefan Gilmore. Um, he traded a first round pick for DeForest Buckner, who's obviously a very good player, but they're missing something when you watch them and. That's something the quarterback an entire offensive line and <laughs> quarterback, right? Like it's it's pretty obvious what they are missing. But for them to ignore the quarterback position is kind of like why? Based on especially when you look around the conference that they play and the type of quarterbacks that are in the AFC, and you can see pretty clearly what it takes to win in the NFL. But still, like they're not a good football team at all, man. Like when they when you watch them play, especially offensively. What are they doing? What are they trying to do? What is Reich's plan to move the ball? And it, it is tougher when Jonathan Taylor's not in there. But even when he is, they still leave a lot to be desired. And now that it's going to be the Sam Ellinger show, um, sorry, Longhorn fans, but he is not the answer. He has not been the answer. And it's probably not going to change the NFL. I I, I think it's probably time for Reich. And I, and I don't disagree with anything you said. I don't – I mean, Ballard – what what has he done? Like, are we gonna are we gonna give him a? He's trophy made a lot or... of top five general manager lists. 
without <laughs> putting up a team that's won a playoff game, which is crazy. I, I was years of it, years of it of being told Chris Ballard is the next great general manager, right? Over and over and over again. And we've just never seen the results. And I, I agree with you. Like it's probably time with Reich. It's probably time. He's probably a guy who could go through a, a rehab stint and then become another, get another head coaching job yeah. somewhere else down the line. But like this clearly has not worked out for like this day and time for, for the, for the Colts. I just don't understand why Ballard, there's no pressure on this guy ever. He's got the best job in the world. Just no <laughs> expectations. This is great. All you have to do is trade stuff for the future, like cap space rollover. Just no pressure at all. So he's he's probably going to be riding that Quentin Nelson pick for another three or four more years. And like, is that why he gets the credit that he does? Because like I've I mentioned the veterans like Buckner, uh, Yannick Agway is another one just this past season. But like on the other side of the ball, they they take some swings at wide receivers and that just hasn't worked out. Or just essentially any player, it seems like they bring <laughs> in four years of this really is going to be the out. Paris Campbell year. Oh, God. All right. So it sounds like we have a difference of opinion. KP, you're going with Reich. Justice, you're going with Ron Rivera. Steven Serta is off after his Chiefs whooped our 49ers last week. So I get to break the tie. As much as tempting as it is for, to have Washington churn through another coach, I think I got to go Indy. Wow. And, and I hate to steal a take from RJ Ochoa, but he's correct to point out that they seem to put a lot of blame on the fact that one, Andrew Luck retired, and two, whoever the quarterback was. Oh, Philip Rivers. Oh, he was older. Watch. Okay, we're going to go with somebody else. Oh, no, Matt Ryan. No, we're going to bench Matt Ryan. Like at some point, the coaching has to come into play. I think I'm going to take Frank Reich. Is that unfair? No, I don't, I don't think so. Don't they, think so. They've invested a first-round pick in 2016 in their center, a first-round pick in 2018 in their left guard, a second-round pick in 2018 in their right tackle. Like they're they're investing in these positions, but like the return isn't there, and and Reich's not making them any better. I feel like that's guessing. It's crazy to say that because last year I thought the Colts were legit, even with Carson Wentz. Um, halfway through the season, I thought that they were going to make the playoffs. And again, their offense never took a step forward. If you look at some of their offensive numbers this year, they are putrid. And when I say putrid, probably bottom three across the board in a lot of stats. So it, it's not great. And I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to have to fall on the head coach. Like he's going to have to be the one to take the sword here. All right. So Frank Reich moves on. Whose seat is hotter, KP? Frank Reich or Cliff Kingsbury threw this one off the backboard for me, man. This is, this is a no brainer. I don't know what Cliff does. I don't know what Cliff does. Well, I don't know what he brings to the table. Like if we're talking about bringing to the table and making people better, he goes out of his way to make life harder on. (laughs) So it seems like outside of their, let's say, let's pretend the Cardinals aren't trailing for three fourths of the game. Like if you narrow, if you were to filter stats during that time and ignore the opening script, they don't do anything on offense. Like it is very difficult for them to move the ball. And sure that that might change now that DeAndre Hopkins is back, but teams are going to adjust because Hopkins is always in the same position. Like it's very easy to um, attack them defensively, knowing what you're going to get on every play. We'll see if, you know, Benjamin does anything like, again, if that's what they're relying on, if that's what Cliff is relying on, I, I don't see it, man. I, they're just not very good. And he specifically, I don't know what he does well. So it, it's pretty easy for me when I watch a Cardinals game, I'm wondering, okay, you just got 15 yards on this play. 
I don't know. I know I'm not going to see this play again. He never calls this, this the plays at work again. And it's probably the most maddening thing for Cardinals fans because it frustrates me. So uh, easy answer is clear. I really disagree here. Whoa. And there's two parts to this. One, two parts I want to bring up at least. Um, one, he just got a contract. Sure. That's so much money to eat. And the other thing about that aspect too, right? Like him – Burkhart represents him and Kyler Murray, right? Kyler mm-hmm. Murray is not playing baseball right now because there was an agent pairing with him and Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, getting the number one pick and saying, okay, we're going to build the system around Kyler Murray. Like, what does that do with Kyler? Like that, that's another question, right? Second thing I wanted to bring up. I told you guys this yesterday, little birdie told me Sean Payton's poking around and the two teams that he's looking at are, the Cardinals and the Chargers, because he's looking for a team with a quarterback that doesn't necessarily have a very strong or, or an ownership that's very hands-on, right? And that's kind of the difference between these teams and Dallas, which I don't even I don't even know if Dallas is going to open up at this point. We kind of assume that heading into the year, but McCarthy's doing a good enough job with uh, Cooper Rush out there that, Whoa, that I don't think he's going to happen. Let's clip that, uh, Rob. Dude. <laughs> The Packers are also going to lose to the Cowboys this time. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. But Sean, Sean's looking out there, and I think that's kind of maybe – I would say absolutely no, Cliff is not going to get fired, if not for the Sean Payton factor because of the contract. But if Sean Payton's poking around, you at least have to listen to what Sean Payton's bringing to the table, right? Because what we don't remember, and we don't think of the Saints like this because of the recent success – that they've had under Sean Payton, but the Saints, like as an organization, from like a structural standpoint, they've been a joke for decades and decades. I mean, they're as close to the Cincinnati Bengals as we have in terms of like a small, small, small operation that is running in a big, big, big business. And Sean Payton was able to kick the door in and just say, like, "Hey, let me be the man. I'll be the overarching voice." I mean. Uh, Carmichael, their offensive coordinator, was there for like 20 years and has never gotten a head coaching look. He's the only guy who's been around one of these top quarterbacks and hasn't gotten a head coaching job. It's because Sean Payton kind of runs the show. So if Sean Payton, there's probably not a better candidate for a team like an Arizona or even, you know, a Chargers for that matter than him. So I, I think if he's poking around, you have to listen to him. The one tricky thing, too, is not only does the job have to come open, but I believe the Saints still own his rights for another offseason, so there would have to be draft compensation that would have to move around. And would Arizona be willing to do that? I mean, you're talking about not only Sean Payne's contract, which Sean Payne, I'm going to assume, is going to get $10 million a year, right? Like some television network would pay him that. Um, That's probably fair market value at this point for him as an NFL head coach. So you're paying that. You're paying off Cliff's basically entire contract, yep. right? You just signed it this offseason, and then you're trading draft compensation um, to the Saints to get Peyton. Um, those are a lot of factors. That, that's why I would have, you know, I'm taking Reich here, but I think there's more smoke on Cliff than I thought. Uh, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said there's absolutely no way that they can afford moving off of Cliff. So your answer is why I picked Cliff. If Sean Payton were calling plays for the Arizona Cardinals, would they be 29th in offensive DVOA? No, Probably not. Would they have, <laughs> they the, have the lowest A dot in the entire league, and Sean Payton's the only guy 
who's been able to have a sub six two quarterback be able to throw over the middle in the NFL. I was gonna say if only so. he had experience working with a quarterback <laughs> the same as our same height as us, would they have the same success rate as the Bears, the Texans? Would they have a negative EPA per play? Of course not. Of course they wouldn't. Like he knows how to coach football. We have decades of um like we we've seen him do it on the Saints with 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 teams that just haven't been as talented. So I, I don't I'm just not buying Kingsbury, man. And and maybe I never have. So it's tough for me to move off that, but he hasn't given me a reason to. Everything you said is totally logical, Justice. So then the question becomes, how serious are the Cardinals about winning? Right? Say what you want about Jed York. Dude fired two coaches after one year in back-to-back years to bring in Kyle Shanahan. He fired Tom Sula. He fired Chip mm-hmm. Kelly. He, I, I can at least make the argument he cares about winning because you don't do that unless you really care about winning. Are the Bidwells that type of ownership? Group? I mean, I mean, it the, seems like the, historically no, right? Yeah, the answer is the no. key. The key might be Kime, right? Like, does Sean Payton take the job of Kime as the general That's manager? True. And would Bidwell be able to? I mean, it's no secret Bidwell and Kime are very, very, very close, right? So, um, yeah, then you have to we'll fire see. both. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, Kime oh, has got no. an extension too, right? So. No, I'm just yeah, they I'm just saying because Kime just got a new deal. Sure. Is there is there offset language in deals for executives? There's no coaches? way. There's no way. They have to be double dipping. I have no idea. So I just was just wondering. Um, all right, so then we have a tie. I'm gonna give it to Reich only because I agree, Justice. I don't think the Cardinals are gonna pay all that money. It's that's so the, much money. <laughs> that's the only reason because I think Cliff deserves to get fired. Like when you've got Kyler Murray there and you're this bad offensively and you're supposed to be the offensive guy, you deserve to get canned. But Reich's going to move on due to the contract situation. So, Justice, I put it to you. Whose seat is hotter, Frank Reich or Brandon Staley? Man, I feel like at this point it has to be Staley. That offense is not working, and I understand he's not an offensive football coach. But that Lombardi offense right now is clogging up one of the more talented quarterbacks in this league. And Staley's side of the ball hasn't played well in two years that he's been there. Um, Again, going back to the Sean Payton thing, right? This makes more sense for Payton, in my opinion, than Arizona does. um, Just because um, I I don't think the general manager thing, like the whole sway of power that you got to remember Arizona too, right? Like there's Cliff got the job and they were still like Josh Rosen is our guy. So that's kind of telling you right away, like they had to kind of sell Kime on the idea of getting rid of his first round quarterback and turn into a different direction immediately. I don't think the chargers necessarily have that type of uh, issue at general manager in terms of like the power struggle and how it relates to ownership. Um, he has a quarterback that would is young is I, I don't think there's any questions that like Herbert is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in this league for a very long time. Um, if he's poking around, man, I feel like the seat on Staley has to be so hot right now. I mean, he's, he's becoming a punching bag for a lot of these things. I mean, every broadcast, you can hear it. Like some of these announcers don't even want to talk about like the hashtag analytics, even if they're not thinking about it the right way, or if they don't understand it. And then, they're blaming things on analytics that are not analytics moves, <laughs> but Staley gets to be the face of like, here's the guy he's coming in, playing the two high safeties that is dropping scoring in the league. We hate that analytics. We don't like that. 
right? He gets to be the face of all this. He's ruining Justin Herbert on a rookie contract. We don't like that. They are talent. They are a talented football team. I kind of feel like it's it's kind of now or never for Staley. Like he's got to get a couple wins, and I don't know if they fire him in season. I don't know what that that um, coaching staff looks like in terms of like an interim head coach. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's two years and out there. He's essentially costing them game after game after game, and it hasn't been just this year. Like it's dated back to last year, and yeah, it's fourth down decisions, but. I don't know if we're talking about we've, the theme has been the direction of the team. How do you see this Chargers team improving under Staley based on what you've seen in a year and a half now? Because I don't think it's gonna. I don't think he knows what he's doing. And if we're, <laughs> if we're looking at like his play caller Lombardi, we know that he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, he, I don't know that they're aware of how good that their quarterback is. And I'm, <laughs> To be fair, it I know it's probably tough. So now Mike Williams is out for I think four weeks right. or a month, something like that. Like that's not going to make any. Their effect. offensive line is banged up, but I mean that doesn't mean that you have to throw all these flats, flats and out routes and and curls. Watch, like watch literally any other offense. And the 49ers <laughs> have begun began to throw the ball down the field more without Trent Williams, like without some of their starting linemen. That doesn't mean you have to boggle down your offense because your offensive line is missing. That's a cop out, and that's what you do when you really don't think outside of the box, but yes, I think Staley's decision-making is just way too far gone. And you see some of the players after games, like, wait, what, why did we do that? Like, what were we doing? Like, they're not, they're, they're not saying those words, but that's what effectively they are saying. So yeah, I think it's time to move on because the longer you hold on to this, as we said, it's probably not going to get any worse and you're only going to make uh, life harder for your franchise QB who was on a rookie deal, and you have to take advantage of this. And that's why you go out and get a guy like Jason Jackson. I know he's hurt now, but you're not going like, to – when you sign him, you're not counting on that to happen. So they are they did bring in talent this offseason to upgrade that side of the ball defensively, but are they any better? Because we thought, hey, now that Staley has defensive tackles or some sort of – or the same guys who weren't playing last year, they'll be somewhat better, but still can't stop the run. And if anything, they're worse, so – yeah, I don't, I don't think Staley's it, man. I think Staley uh, hoodwinked, bamboozled, and fooled a bunch of people. Joe yeah. Lombardi needs – it's unfortunate that it's the bye week already because I feel like Joe Lombardi, a swap out at offensive coordinator, maybe is something that, like, would save Staley's job, right, if they can look good under a different guy. Um, but if it's not going to happen during a bye, I don't think it's going to happen at all. Plus, the Chargers, next five games – Four of them are on the road. Yeah, this could be curtain call pretty pretty quickly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you were Sean Payton and Cardinals came to you and said, we want you to take the job and Chargers came to you and said, we want you to take the job. Would you rather coach in the AFC West against Patrick Mahomes or would you rather coach in the NFC West against 
old Matthew Stafford, broke-ass Jimmy Garoppolo, or <laughs> who the hell knows what's happening with Trey Lance. Like, which job would you rather have if you're Sean Payton, KP? Yeah, I think, you know, it's tough when you say it like that because your first inclination is, I don't want to face Josh Allen. I don't want to go into Patrick Mahomes and, like, all the challenges that the AFC presents. But I, I think, I think that the Chargers present a better situation, like they have a better roster. They're probably going to be better long-term just because of Herbert. And that, like general manager Tom Colesco, had, like he does go out of his way to try to attempt to bring in good players, <laughs> whereas like look at what the Cardinals are doing. They just drafted linebackers in back-to-back years in the first round, and they're not good. They're probably not going to be good anytime soon. So I think the direction, like the, the general manager has a better idea of how to manage and bring in talent. So that would be pretty easy for me. Um, I'm, I would take the charge over the Cardinals. I think I would do the same thing um, for the same reasons you said quarterback and talent on the roster. Um, the general manager situation certainly plays into it. Um, I just don't know the kind thing is the big one. Cause yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I've gotten a clear answer on Kime and Kime's been there for multiple administrations now, right? Like 2013. He's, yeah. He's, he's one of the more tenured general managers in the league and Telesco does. I mean, Telesco drafts pretty well. Like the yeah. team doesn't necessarily have a ton of money. I think, I think it's kind of funny. The chargers get branded as like the hashtag analytics team. When you look at their actual like analytics roster in terms of how much structurally they invest in that compared to a team like the Ravens, it's night and day. The Chargers basically didn't have an analytics department until um, until uh, Staley joined the team. So the other thing that's interesting here, and I just want to bring this up quickly, Staley runs that, that uh, two high quarters heavy system, right? Have we ever seen, and it's spreading around the league, have we ever seen that like win a Super Bowl? Like win because of that. I under like you look at the Seahawks and when the Seahawks defense was spreading, at least you could point to that and be like, that's why they're winning football games, right? I don't think the quarters defense is winning teams football games. It's just making teams less aggressive on the offensive side. And that's hoping, really all. <laughs> you're just hoping the other team's quarterback messes up at some point, and then you're like, oh, Joe Burrow's in the Super Bowl now. Crazy. <laughs> so what that system effectively is doing, so we're seeing lower points, and I think we're not seeing as many shots down the field, and yeah. you're having to rely on more seven, eight, nine, ten play drives, so not as many explosive plays. But Staley worked – that worked with the Rams. Why? I wonder why it worked with the Rams. The Aaron Donald back, shooting gaps. Yeah. yeah. And then before then, like he had Khalil Mack healthy. So, of course, it's going to work in that bear system. And that was when they had a, a few other good players as well. But as we're seeing, like, in this, his early tenure with the Chargers, like, if you don't have, like, dudes, dudes um, up front or in the front seven, it's going to be very tough to get off the field. But, yeah, I mean, if you just go down the list of the top defensive teams in the NFL and what they do, it ain't that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last name I want to throw out here, and it's, it's kind of half serious, but I'm just – Maybe not a firing, but just a coaching change. Justice. Brandon Staley, whose seat is hotter? Staley or William Belichick in New England? Oh, Billy. Uh, I want to start off by saying Monday Night Football, weird quarterback move. And weird (laughs) that like Schefter telegraphed it before the game and was like, I wouldn't be surprised if both get on the field like, that whole situation was weird, but 
I think Belichick's going to get at least another year, right? Um, I don't think, I don't think anyone gets a forever leash, right? I don't think anyone gets to use an NFL head coaching gig, especially when you're also the general manager, as like a retirement fund. No matter how many Super Bowls you've won, it's the NFL. It's too competitive. That's just not what they do here. Um, Belichick obviously hasn't looked great since Tom Brady left. Um, they've played a different offensive scheme every single season since Brady has left and they've done a lot of soul searching and it's kind of led to nowhere other than like a 500 ish record. There's, I I don't think you can fire Belichick after this season. Not Um, fire, but you know, Oh, he'll step away. Like they wouldn't call it a firing, but I just feel like, I don't know. Kraft's been kind of dogging his draft picks publicly for a couple of years now. It just, I don't know. It's, it's not good in new England. I think he gets another year, but they're going to have to figure out someone to play quarterback soon. Like, there's no way around that. If if Mac Jones isn't the answer, you got to figure something out and you got to figure it out quickly. Because even if Belichick does take a quarterback, how much like you give him an extra year beyond that? Okay, so he gets two more years, but results are going to have to come at some point. If you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, it has to be a toolsy guy like Herbert. And remember, people think that Herbert's been this guy, um, like he was this guy coming out of Oregon. That wasn't the case. Like he was, he wasn't this top five everything. Um, Shout out Mario Cristobal. As yep, was waiting for it. <laughs> as you know, Justice. But Mac Jones is like he was always limited. That was always going to be the case. So uh, he needs to be yeah. surrounded by an Alabama group of receivers to look like a first round quarterback. Who would have thought? But I think when you're looking at what they both do well, Bill Belichick, Brandon Staley, they're both known as defensive guys. If you watch the Patriots defense, and I know we're fresh off of a Bears loss where they kind of got punched in the mouth. If you watch them all season, they are a good unit and they play well and they, they, they do a lot of things well. So I don't think you could fault Bill Belichick for our, so if you're going to fault him for the offense, you have to give credit for how well they play on the defensive side of the ball. Whereas Staley didn't pick <laughs> Herbert. He did bring in that defense and they have taken a step back defensively. Yeah. So I'm still going to go with uh, Staley. It feels so weird to talk about potentially like things not going right in New England and a head coach being to blame. Like it's just for my whole life, the dude's been untouchable pretty much. Okay. And, you know, nothing lasts forever. And it's, you know, I do take a little bit of joy in seeing the Patriots kind of scuffle like the rest of the NFL has for how, how silent was the crowd at the end of the Monday night football game. They weren't you expecting heard, you that. Heard a pin drop. They were so <laughs> excited. You you heard, you know, Mac through the interception. You heard the Bailey Zappi chance, yep. right? Bailey Zappi gets on the field, loud roar from the crowd. And then by the second interception that Zappi had, it's just like silence. You're at a funeral because they figured out, wow, Bailey Zappi isn't going to be Tom Brady. <laughs> they, the football gods aren't going to come down and save us. This is life now. Don't worry, Billy B. Jimmy Garoppolo and Matt Ryan are on the way next year. Yeah, they are. God, please. Can I interest you in Jordan Love? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show. We always appreciate your reviews. If you leave it, we read it. Justice, KP, thank you very much for making me smarter. As always, we will talk to you next week.